Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to Episode 71 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Breezy, a cloud-based printing solution that makes it easy to print anything from any mobile device to any printer. Find out more at Breezy.com. Clio, online practice management for attorneys at GoClio.com. Carbonite Business, online backup for your law office. Carbonite Business backs up your files automatically and continually, so you're always protected. Try it out free at Carbonite.com and get two free months with offer code REPORT. And firm manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at MyFirmManager.com slash LTN. In our last podcast, we offered up our technology gift guide, our good friend and fellow Gift Guide creator Jim Calloway let us know that he was impressed with with our innovation in calling our gift guide our <laughs> 2012 gift guide rather than our 2011 gift guide as a way to distinguish ourselves from other gifts. Maybe we're feeling that it seemed like it would be 2012 before we found the time to buy gifts, or maybe it was just my typo, but we appreciated Jim's comments. Tom, what's our agenda for this episode? Jim, it was just a typo, but it made me laugh when I saw that note. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll be discussing one of the rude surprises of cloud computing, the sudden change of social media sites that uh, you know and love. In our second segment, we'll revisit our gift guide and see what we might have left off the guide and maybe what should have been on it. And then, as usual, we'll end with our parting shots of that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, and that's change. In the past few weeks, some of our favorite social media websites and and other sites have rolled out new layouts and designs, and not everyone is happy with them. I usually see it start on Twitter. Uh, The moment that people have seen the new version, uh, you can usually go on Twitter and find uh, a large number of people who just talk constantly about how much they hate the new design. Uh, I I usually find those folks and, and try to tune them out while while I'm getting used to the new design. Dennis, have any of these changes, and we'll talk about some of them, gotten you all up in arms? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting how these changes happen. You're right about the Twitter phenomenon because you, you, you tend to see on Twitter or elsewhere that people are starting to complain immediately and you haven't even realized that there is a change. And, and, and some of these changes are sort of phased and seem to roll out to different people at different times. Uh, what I found was the one that really got me was uh, changes to Google Reader. A while back, and they, it just seemed like the change they made just disrupted my way of my normal way of doing things in every possible way. And now it's it's been a few weeks later, and I've totally adapted to it. So I don't know that I've really gotten up in arms on an extended period. I've, I'm what surprised me is how adaptable I've been. But I I know that it seems like Facebook. Twitter, uh, the LinkedIn mobile app, almost everywhere you look, there's there's been really significant interface changes. And um, I don't know exactly the reason, whether we're just on sort of a phased, uh, you know, rollout of new developments, but it, it, they are different and, and they really do seem to have affect usability. I mean, Tom, 
which are the ones that, that have uh, have bothered you the most? Well, I don't know that any of them have bothered me tremendously, and I guess we'll get into that particular issue on on whether or not you should let it bother you. I mean, you you got used to the Google Reader changes after a while, but but I kind of wanted to go through what I thought and saw were the major changes. The, the, the two that have been the biggest in my mind are, um, are Twitter, rolling out its new design over the past few weeks. Now on the main Twitter page, you've got a bunch of different tabs, um, so you access things in a slightly different way. You can look at your own timeline like usual. You can look at all the tweets on another tab where you've been mentioned. On another tab, you can view your searches. Another tab lists all the lists that you either have created or, or ones that you're listed on. There's also an interesting tab called Activity, which is, I think, pretty cool because it lists the favorites and the follows and the retweets of uh, people that you follow, so you can see what's important to them and what uh, you know what they think, uh, what they, what they like, and, and the people that they're following. But um, I think that, frankly, the the other change that's being made is for a different reason. I think the Twitter changes are just sort of an evolution of how Twitter chooses to display its information, um, and, and the complaints I think on that have been primarily interface. And, and 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 usability. The the other change that I want to mention real quick is that with Facebook, and that is rolling out its new timeline feature that they've been sort of threatening to do for some time now. I think this week as we're recording, it is finally rolled out uh, for everyone. It's, it's actually, I think, pretty amazing. It's essentially a redesigned profile page with all the essential information about you on that page, but it's a lot more than that. Now that there's, now there's an actual chronological timeline on it. You just click on a year and you can see every single thing that you posted that year, everything that people posted about you. It's literally your whole life on Facebook and you can get to it on your timeline. I think in a way that's pretty cool. It's the, it's kind of the ultimate, I guess, scrapbook or memory book, but a lot of people are concerned, as they always are, about privacy ramifications on Facebook because it opens up so much of your life to everyone. So I think, frankly, neither of those two have bothered me. The real thing that bothered me to get around finally to answering your question, Dennis, is that when Twitter rolled out its new design, they also rolled out a new version of TweetDeck. I really don't pay attention to Twitter because I don't spend time on the web interface, but I do use TweetDeck to access Twitter, and and it's a complete overhaul of, uh, of of what was there before. It used to be an Adobe Air app. It is no longer Adobe Air, uh, and, uh, and and so you may have missed it if you uh, if if you didn't know that there was an update. And really, it does change the functionality quite a bit. And I am not a big fan of it. I'm getting used to it, but I think that's probably one of the points: is that uh, most of the changes that we're seeing are things that people ultimately will get used to because everyone's gotten used to what's come along in the past. Uh, Dennis, do you think that this is something that kind of we all have to, like I said, get used to because it really is a an unavoidable consequence of using software as a service in cloud computing? Well, I think, uh, yeah, a couple things. One one I think is you had that fast turnaround and rollout and the things that you can do that cloud computing gives you, the software as a service, people can make changes, they can add features, they can do things. And and so my sense in all these things, uh, maybe this is a fantasy, but I like to believe that, you know, they've done a lot of usability testing. They put a lot of thought into these changes. And even though it, it changes our normal expectations or may bother us in the way that we normally do things, that there's been a lot of research done 
before these things get rolled out and and that over time we'll actually like it better and and a lot of it is sort of grouping things more logically you know changing icons uh the arrangement layout and and I think ultimately, as it makes a, uh, in a number of cases, the layout is simpler, and it takes a little while to to find things that you want. Um, I know that the new uh, the Twitter iPhone app. Uh, it took me a while to figure out where my save searches were. I just thought they had been deleted, but once I found them, and uh, it, it sort of makes sense where they're placed now. And and so I think you do get you do get used to that. And it does seem like they're happening faster. Um, and and they're sort of more significant changes. But I think that's one of the things I like about cloud computing is that these changes can get made from time to time. And I don't have to buy a new version or install a new version or that. It, it sort of happens as as part of being on the cloud. And 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 I think the lesson we have is is uh, is this adaptability. Are we going to jump on Twitter in the first two minutes and complain about how horrible it is? Are we going to wait a little bit of time and see what works and and maybe voice you know, complaints that that uh, that make sense over time. Are are we always going to rely on the instant reaction? The, of course, is with, in the world of social media and Twitter, we're, we're going to have the instant reaction. But but I think if we take a little bit of time of that. But you know, at time I when we were discussing this topic it was it was kind of funny because you were telling me the things that you didn't like about the Twitter changes. And I assumed you were talking about the the Twitter webpage, and then I learned that it was actually TweetDeck, and I wasn't seeing the same thing. And <laughs> then what we found was that, um, you know, that it didn't auto update, so I didn't have the update, and so I wasn't running into the same issues. And 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 that's what I think is kind of the, the kind of interesting lesson from this is that with apps and and web, you know, web. Uh, the web experience, the different things that we do, um, I don't even know that there's a common experience anymore. Like the, when you were talking about the Facebook timeline, I don't think I've seen that, but I don't. I rarely ever go on to the Facebook website. That's all through an iPhone app. Uh, you know, LinkedIn more and more is through the app. And so I think the app experience changes things. And so when you start to complain about this big change, you could have that weird conversation that we did where we're talking about different things and we don't, we don't access... Um, um, you know, the, the sites in the same way. We had that with Google Reader time. I, I was complaining about the Google Reader interface, and you're like, I, I just use an app, and I don't even notice what you're talking about. I mean, do you see more and more of that? No, I, I see that all the time. I, and I think that, that probably Twitter is the biggest example of that because Twitter opened up its, its API for anyone to be able to use. And as a result, if you go into an app store for, for either Android or iPhone or, or anything, you will find uh, it's probably consolidated a little bit now, but you probably find five, six, maybe 10 apps that all are Twitter readers. And, and there are many more apps that are out there that try to combine everything. So you can read Twitter in the same place where you read Facebook and read your RSS feeds and, and all of that. I mean, it, with, with Twitter, you've got just standalone on your desktop, you've got TweetDeck and Hootsuite and Seismic and the original Twitter site. You've got the TweetDeck web app, and there's probably a dozen mobile apps that I don't even know the names of. Um, and I think that the user experience is going to be different for each one of them. Now, what's interesting to me is is that if 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 you're using the old TweetDeck, you wouldn't have known to update to the to if you're using the the regular TweetDeck program, you wouldn't have known to update to the new one because it's not giving you an automatic 
automatic update. It's not the same as uh, as most of these apps where you're actually getting that information uh, saying, okay, click here to update. For example, the timeline on Facebook, um, it, it, it hasn't rolled out absolutely for everybody yet. Uh, there's, a, there's a page on Facebook that says activate your timeline now, and then it gives you seven days to sort of play with it and decide what you want to do with it. And then after seven days, it's going to be activated. So it's not something that would be automatically obvious to everyone. And I think that's that's kind of an issue for me about this is, is kind of what are reasonable expectations people can have for using cloud computing device. I think, and I, I would expect that the reasonable expectation is that the companies who are providing these services that we choose to do business with are going to be modifying their inter- their interface over time. We, I think that's a reasonable expectation and they're changing the usability of the tool. I think also that it's a reasonable expectation for these companies to understand its users and not introduce, I think, changes that would lead to mass revolt. Uh, I think that turns out not always to be the case. I remember a year or two ago, Dig, one of the news sites, rolled out its new design and there was such a revolt from its users that it really has never been the same. And I think a lot of this has to do with some things that I do in my my, my work, I, I do actually a lot of change management work in my job now, and, and I help company employees cope with new technology. And it's not an easy task. It has to be done right. Or I think the employee is unlikely to start using that new technology. And the same goes with these services. It involves communicating with your users about what's going to happen, how it's going to impact you, and what to expect from your experience going forward. I think it's a lot better than having people just spring things on you like a lot of sites do. Dennis, what's your thought about our expectations regarding these changes? Right. I mean, my expectation or my, my thought is that probably in a, a lot of these changes, which are major, that uh, there was some kind of communication, probably some email, something posted on a website, and none of us ever looked at it because we never look at those things. And so so it did feel sort of sprung on us when probably the people in, behind them felt that they had given people a lot of advance warning. And so so you do run in, into that issue, which I'm sure you run into a lot, to time in the situations that, that you're describing but I think that probably it seems like there's some major ones now. So generally, if there are major changes, you figure not much will happen over, you know, for another year or so, maybe um, in the major way. So I expect 2012, we just see more in the way of tweaking and things like that. Um, I think it can be a little traumatic. I mean, we're in a profession where, you know, still, Tom, routinely you run into lawyers who say, you know, it's never been the same since WordPerfect 5.1 for DOS. And, and we still find people using immensely old uh, programs. And so in the social media world, you know, a lot of times in these changes, you do have the chance to stay old school with the old interface and, and, and make a choice to, to, uh, to, you know, kind of keep the old, the old look and feel at least, you know, for a period of months to, to transition. Um, so I, I don't, you know, sometimes that can get you, you, you can avoid the trauma for a little bit until you can get used to it. But I, I think in the same way that Twitter and social media can be a, a place where people are complaining about these things, um, you know, Twitter, blogs, other social media can be a place where, uh, you know, like the life hacker people and other places like that can give you like, here's a guide to all the changes and here's the ones that matter and here's the way to, you know, here's the way to find um, you know, your save searches and, you know, yes, this stuff didn't really disappear. So I think there are a lot of uh, tools out there to help you help you transition, you know, from the, the old interface to the new face um, outside of the official communication. 
Well, I think there are, and and unfortunately, most of those most of those guides don't come from the actual service themselves. They come from sites like Lifehacker and people who are generally responding to the community who who might be having trouble. But I really think that that's the way to handle it in terms of change management is to get give people ways to cope with those types of changes. And and I think that. You know, while while the ability to to stick with the original Twitter interface until until the last minute when you have to switch over to the new Twitter, um, I, I think that that can help a lot of people. I'm sort of a rip the bandaid off kind of person where I'd rather just start using the change and getting used to it than putting it off as as long as possible. I understand that not everybody's like that, so I guess I like that option. I think Twitter's really one of the only sites that 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 provides that type of uh, uh, of, of of opportunity on a long-term basis. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think that there are a couple of strategies that people can use to deal with it a little bit better. And, and here are my, my, I guess, two, two strategies. One is, I think, don't fly off the handle when there's a change. Don't take to Twitter immediately and start complaining about it, unless you're just blowing off steam. But don't quit Twitter or don't quit Facebook just because of that. You know, take some time to really dig into the new changes and see if you can work with them. You know, many changes that people originally complained about are features that they can't live without now on some of these sites. And, you know, Dennis, you're you're proving that to a certain extent with, with your use of Google Reader. I think the second strategy is make sure there's no changes to the settings that you have on your site. You know, when timelines rolled out, uh, I, I went and looked. The first thing I did was to go look at my privacy settings. And interestingly enough, it the, the first setting is uh, uh, whether or not who can look up your 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 timeline whether they, when they're doing a search for you. And it's set by default to everyone, not just your friends. So I went and changed that immediately so that only my friends are able to look at my timeline and no one who is not a friend they, they, they can't. So take a few moments to go through your account settings, I think, on any site to make changes to make sure that they aren't new settings or old settings that have been changed. Um, Dennis, uh, any strategies and final thoughts to close out this segment? Um, yeah, I, I think you make some some great points. I, I think that patience is 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 a big thing. And, and, and you know, finding a podcast or, uh, you know, a blog post where somebody goes into these changes, because then you can see what, uh, at the same time, what people feel is good about the changes, as well as what people are complaining about, because the good often outweighs the bad um, in in a lot of a lot of these things. What I think is probably interesting and, and maybe a trend for 2012 is when I look back on the phone call we, that we had, Tom, is that I would think that people who support users um, are, are going to run into this thing where um, it's going to become difficult to dupli- for the helper to duplicate the actual user experience that the person they're trying to help has. You know, so you may not have the same app. You know, you know, I may have an iPhone app and you might be looking at something through an Android app and I can't really relate to even what you're seeing on the screen. And so I think there is this, this sense of, that we're now getting a, a more personalized view of the internet and of these services that's a a little bit different for everybody, and the settings can be a little bit different. And I think that has a lot of implications uh, for just how we talk about how we're doing things, how we, uh, you know, support different programs, how we help help other people out. And, and I think that that's uh, something that I, I look to in 2012 as, as uh, will be a, both a growing difficulty and, and perhaps an opportunity as well. I totally agree. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, Breezy, Clio, 
Carbonite Business and Firm Manager by LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, President of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Backing up your business files can be a hassle, and it's hard to know if you're doing it right. That's why more law offices are using Carbonite Business Online Backup. With Carbonite Business, your files are backed up automatically and continually. They're stored safely off-site, and each employee can access their backed-up files privately on any computer or on their smartphone or iPad. Try it free at Carbonite.com and get two free months with offer code REPORT. That's Carbonite.com. Offer code REPORT. Ever wondered why you can't print from your BlackBerry, iPhone, or iPad? Now, with Breezy, you can. Download Breezy from the App Store or visit Breezy.com slash Legal Talk to learn more. Breezy lets you print or fax anything from any device to any printer or fax machine. Backed by ironclad security, Breezy saves you and your staff significant time. Available on BlackBerry iPhone and iPad and coming to Android in November. Secure mobile printing. It's easy with Breezy. Go to Breezy.com. That's B-R-E-E-Z-Y dot com slash legal talk now. You've heard of Firm Manager. You've seen ads for Firm Manager. Now you can try Firm Manager free for 30 days at www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Firm Manager is the web-based matter management application from LexisNexis that lets you run your practice anywhere, anytime, including your desktop, laptop, mobile phone, or iPad. Take the free 30-day trial today at www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN and spend less time focusing on clerical work and more time on practicing law. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we'll revisit our gift guide from the last episode and see what we might have left off or what we might have wanted to add to it in the last uh, couple of weeks. Tom, what did you miss or what did you find to add? 
you know, I want to go through just a couple things really quickly. Um, and, and, and I didn't miss them. It's just that, uh, I've had Christmas come a little bit early here. The holidays came a little bit early for me and I have some, some technology that I want to, I, I mentioned some of it before, but I want to mention it again. And, and I want to give another plug for the Sonos music system. I got it right after we recorded it. And I have to tell you, it is just a fantastic system for someone who doesn't want to go through the full, uh, wiring of your house for a stereo system. I've got three speakers set up in the bedroom and in the den and in the kitchen, I can turn them all on and have really in-house stereo. Uh, the speakers are have quite good sound. Um, and then I can access any of my music services. I can access my satellite radio. I can access Spotify or Pandora. I can access my entire music collection that's within iTunes. So it is really a tremendous, uh, tremendous thing that I, I, I recommend that you take a look at. Um, one other toy that I got uh, for the holidays is the uh, Garmin Nuvi 3790T GPS. My old GPS died. I needed a new one. This is fantastic for two reasons. One, it is ultra thin. It, 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 it's about as thin as an Android phone. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, is that it has voice recognition. So I'm no longer sitting there punching at the screen when I'm trying to get somewhere. I can actually start telling the GPS where I want to go. And uh, so when I'm traveling, this is going to be a must-have to take with me. Um, one one last thing I want to talk about uh, that I think is funny because David Pogue mentioned it on his site was something called the Prank Pack gift boxes. They're they're boxes that you can put other real gifts in, uh, but the outside advertises something different. You know, they're uh, gifts like the eye arm, which is a strap that uh, lets you put your iPad on your arm, or the Bathe and Brew, which is a, a coffee maker for your shower. I know that I have gotten some pretty odd gifts for the holidays. Before before, and this seems kind of like the perfect way to get back at those odd gift givers, even if it's uh, just for a joke. Dennis, any uh, new gift ideas you want to add to your list? You know, I just got a gift idea. It's uh, I got to talk to you offline about this this, this Sonos thing because my wife was just uh, saying, can't we have better music in our house? And so I may follow up with you on that one. Um, I'm, you know, I'm old school on this stuff. So I was, what I realized is one thing I, I think is a great gift is uh, for any Anybody who uses Amazon is this Amazon Prime. Uh, you know, seventy nine dollars a year. You get absolutely. Two, you know, free two day shipping whenever you want it. It's amazing. You know, although you're paying, it always feels like you're getting free two day uh, shipping. You can download movies. There's a whole bunch of benefits that go with it. And so for a seventy nine dollar gift, it's it's awesome. Um, the other thing was I was had a problem with the printer and and when uh, I actually ran out of ink and uh, I was looking at ink and so I started to look at uh, laser printers and it is amazing for under a hundred dollars that you can get a laser printer so if you're kind of like struggling with the, an old printer especially at home um, like seventy nine eighty dollars for for laser printers pretty amazing the other thing that I I, I always take a look at is is uh, for yourself and maybe for others is trying to figure out how you actually use things and just finding some things that improve your use of things. So, you know, look at that computer bag. It may be worn, Kindle covers, little book lights. And, you know, my big thing is headphones and how you really need different headphones for the different situations you're in. So what might work in one place, it may not work when you're working out. You know, what the other headphones you like might work, not work on an airplane. And, you know, so there's some some different things. And, and I think it's, so. although I've, I'm starting to amass a headphone collection, I sort of, it's sort of like shoes. I sort of feel like, well, yeah, but the headphones each have a specific use. And 
and they work well in in uh, different cases. So um, those are some of the things I have. And then then also, I I just think apps really um, are become an interesting thing. And, and again, it's, it's sort of like, well, what's my area of interest? What am I using? And and just do some searches to see what apps are out there. I think you can find some really interesting things. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Uh, I've uh, just finished the first draft of a new book on on iPad apps for lawyers, and one of the apps that I just discovered in the past two weeks that's going in the book is one that I think is is really a tremendous resource. It's called the Lawyer's Professional Assistant, and it is from the the good folks at Wolfram Alpha, uh, who have the the fantastic computational engine. And uh, this is a great app. It provides it's essentially Wolfram Al- Alpha's. Uh, abilities uh, divided up into areas that would be useful for a lawyer. So there's a reference area where you can determine statute of limitations, U.S. visa types. Uh, there's calendar computations where you can calculate business days. Uh, there's financial co- uh, calculation where you can calculate fees and settlements. And there's financial calculators and historical value of money. There's a, a place for investigative information where you can look at web traffic or company information or historical weather blood alcohol calculator. Uh, there's a specific areas for estate planners and real estate lawyers. There's a damages determination area. It's just amazing how much is in here, and it's only $2.99. It's a great app. I recommend you download it today. Sounds great, Tom. And I'll uh, raise your first draft of your new book with what will soon be the second draft of the new book I'm writing with Allison Shields on on LinkedIn, which uh, we'll finish up in a, in a couple days. I have an app that I want to recommend. It's uh, it's related to LinkedIn. It's uh, called Card Munch. And, and uh, the, while I, over Thanksgiving, I ran into one of my cousins who I haven't seen in certainly more than 30 years and uh, gave me his business card. And I wanted to scan it into LinkedIn and, and then uh, invite him as a connection on, on LinkedIn. And uh, so LinkedIn has an app called Card Munch, which uses the camera in, in your iPhone. And I think it's just on the iOS devices at, at this time. And you take a picture of the card. It grabs it. And then it, uh, you upload it. It gets transcribed for you, and it comes back in a variety of formats that you can then put into, you know, Outlook or your other uh, address book as contact information. And then you can invite the person to connect through LinkedIn. So it's like it's a great sort of missing step where you can meet somebody in person, grab their business card, and get them into LinkedIn and into your address books, all in one sort of easy way. Um, and you end up also with a picture of the of, of the business card as well with as backup. So really nice, nice little free app that uh, I think is really useful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The Card Munch app, I think, is the best card scanning app available today. And, and the fact that it's free is just, I think, amazing. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, will be available uh, uh, on our show notes blog at tcamreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. We don't have any plans to change the way that you can subscribe to this podcast. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.